0: Welcome to The Corporate Athlete, episode two. I'm your host, Rachel Findler, and I've got a double special for you this episode. I went to Cambridge University and I interviewed the presidents, both the men and the women's boat club. Both Cambridge University rowing crews rowed their way to victory at the boat race. The boat race started in 1829, and it's where Oxford and Cambridge battle it out down a 6.8 kilometre course on the Thames in London from Putney to Mortlake. This year 4.8 million viewers in the UK alone tuned in to watch the race and 250,000 spectators lined the banks of the Thames. I was down on the Thames that day and the atmosphere was incredible but I wanted to know what it was like for the athletes, the grueling training and the process that gets them to that victory. Rowers are some of the toughest athletes I have ever met. Their training is brutal and they are usually out on the water by 6am and they go back out in the evenings for the last bit of light. They're out in all conditions and hail, and I've even seen rowers crack through the ice trying to get their boats out on the river. That is serious commitment. People that tell me they don't have time to exercise, I tell them to get on the rowing machine for 10 minutes and guaranteed they'll be sweating. But I cannot tell you how many people I've seen use the rowing machines incorrectly in the gym. It drives me nuts. So I've asked the captain of my rowing club, Eaton Excelsior, to give us a quick tutorial on how to use the rowing machine appropriately. I don't want you to injure your back and I want you to get the most efficient time that you can on the rowing machine. So I'm going to put up a link to the YouThrive website where you'll be able to find a very brief video on how to correctly use the rowing machine and also some targets that you can set for yourself. In part one, I'm talking to Daphne Marchenko, president of the Cambridge University Women's Boat Club. Not only was Daphne in the first ever women's crew to row in the boat race in 2015, she's also the first person of colour to ever row in the boat race. She now leads by example in her role as president and she led her crew to victory in this year's boat race. In this episode we discuss her balance between her studies and rowing and the psychological preparation that her crew did for the race day. Um, Daphne thank you so much for being here talking with me today at your beautiful Cambridge Boathouse it's absolutely gorgeous here and congratulations on your win this year thank you very much and thank you for having me what do you think is the better feeling for the girls when they cross the finish line or when they're spraying that champagne everywhere Uh,
1: I would say crossing the finish line it's a feeling like none other whether you win or you lose, that's the culmination of all the hard work that you've put in that season. So I'd say crossing the finish line definitely is a very symbolic moment. Uh, And of course,
0: when you win, it makes it all that much better. Yeah. And so tell me um, what goes on on the start line because I can imagine there's a lot to think about Um, obviously the individual thinking their mental preparation they've had to do but also I can imagine it's quite challenging physically lining the boats up the weather conditions and obviously the noise and nerves from the crowd as well so what happens on the start line?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of things going on. As you said, there's a lot of noise. There are thousands of people lining the banks. And we spend the whole year talking about that moment, what it's going to be like. We work with our sports psychologists to visualize what those moments when you're trying to get onto the stake boat before the start of the race looks like. Uh, And we really think about just focusing on that first stroke. So all the girls in the boat and our coxswain, the person who's steering the boat, are going to be thinking about executing that first stroke, and the rest will, will take care of itself from there, but really trying to simplify the process as much as possible so that we're, we're not getting overwhelmed uh, by all that's going on around us.
0: You know, taking on this 6.8 challenge, um, to stand back and think, oh my gosh, we've got a row for 6.8 kilometres can be hugely challenging, but like I said, if you break it down stroke by stroke, I mean, that's a very... Um, particular way to look at it. Um, What is it about that first stroke? Is that what you think sets the tone for the rest of the race or does everything just become um, automatic for the girls after that first stroke? Yeah the first
1: stroke is hugely important. It's a little bit more technical than most starts that you would see in rowing because we are rowing on the tideway that has a tide so there's a stream. So when you're on the stake boat start you're stationary but the stream is still going so you have to start in a very particular way that can be technically challenging so focusing on executing that correctly is really going to be important for setting you up for the rest of the race so that's part of why we just focus on getting that that first stroke right because it in some sense is the hardest stroke that you have to do from it from a technical standpoint
0: i think that's a great parallel as well you know the first step in any thing in life is the hardest you know if you make a change um, you change your, do- your job the first day is going to be tough you know your first day of school is going to be tough so your first stroke is going to be tough as well I can imagine that's that's a, the, the most focus is getting through that first day and realizing that maybe it's the most challenging part and the rest falls into place because you've done so much preparation leading up to this event um, can you tell me about the training that you do both off and on the water?
1: Yeah so I think what is really unique about the program here at Cambridge is that we have psychological support in addition to our physiological support. So throughout the year, we're not only working on increasing our base fitness, uh, we're also working on preparing mentally for the boat races experience. So, uh, you know, we catch a train at 5:55 in the morning, three days a week. We uh, go on our buses on the weekends to Ely, which is where we row, and do two sessions each on those days. And then we're in uh, every afternoon doing either strength and conditioning or on the ergs or the bikes. So, we're training full capacity seven days a week, uh, and then we're meeting with our sports psychologist on a bi-weekly basis if we need it that frequently, or on a monthly basis as a collective group, and we're setting, sitting down and thinking about what are our goals, what are the values and behaviors that we want to carry forth this season, what's the legacy that we want to leave behind, and, and what do we look like on race day, because it is a high-pressure situation. so. How you behave in your normal everyday environment might not be the same as how you'd behave in a high pressure situation. So talking that through so that when we're on race day, if someone is in a corner with a towel over their head, none of us are worried or concerned about that. We know that that's part of their usual process and getting in the right place that they need to be in for race day.
0: Yeah, that is so relieving to hear because I think it is so important to talk about um, a stressful situation that is coming up, like whether it's exams for some people um, or maybe it's a big public speaking event and someone's afraid of public speaking. If there's so many ways you can prepare for this stressful moment and seeking help through a psychologist can be a huge part of it. And I like how you said if someone's sitting with a towel over their head, it's totally normal. It's totally fine. That's just how they how they deal with it. Because you just want ways to learn how to control your fear and control your nerves leading up to that big moment. Um, so, I'm, so everyone has their own individual way, do they? And you work individually with the sports psychologist for that.
1: Yeah, and then we'll sit down and we'll talk through in our boats, what do I look like on race day? So that everyone else who's with you on that day has a sense for how you're going to act, if there are certain things you want to talk about, if you don't want people to talk with you and you'd rather be in the zone listening to your music. So everyone's on the same same page about that and I think that that is really important, acknowledging that it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to not be okay sometimes, and that it's inevitable that you're going to feel a little anxious on the vote race day. If you didn't, then you, you don't care about it. So uh, that's you know really how we frame it, you're, you're anxious because this is important to you and how do we turn that anxiety into something that we can channel as a form of excitement, uh, something to look forward to as an opportunity to put forward all the work that we've been doing during the year.
0: Yeah, and a little bit of nerves is okay, isn't it? It's what kicks the adrenal gland in so that you can have that extra strength as you, as you take your first stroke. Um, do you mind sharing with us what your personal preparation is?
1: Sure. So I have a very set routine that I like to do uh, just when I'm I'm doing ERG tests as well as on race day. So it's something that I can try and practice and model when we're on land doing our uh, physical tests on the rowing machines, and, and the same thing goes for when we have Races on the Water, so I have a set playlist that I like to listen to. I What's your like choice there. of music? Uh, I'd say that right now, I'm listening to a lot of the Black Panther soundtrack, Oh,
0: excellent. a lot of
1: Kendrick Lamar, uh, a lot of Beyonce, so a little mix of that. <laughs> yeah, that'll get
0: you going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so listening to my music, uh, being in the zone, wearing my lucky socks, uh, having my set warm-up routine in terms of the stretches that I do and the order that I do them in, that's, that's how I get ready.
0: Um, just going back to your training, so you're saying that you're on the 5.55 a.m. train three mornings a week and then you have your weekend rowing as well, you know, you've, you've got your studies going on and that is hugely demanding in its own, never mind adding rowing to that. How do you find the motivation to get up in the morning to make that train?
1: I mean, I have been rowing for 12 years now, so I feel like I haven't really known academics outside of rowing, and it's really forced me to have really great time management skills to organize my day, to prioritize what I need to do and when I need to do it, and there's no better feeling than coming off the water at 8am knowing that you've already been so productive and you have that adrenaline the dopamine so you're feeling pretty good and you're ready to go and and take on the rest of your day before you have afternoon training (laughs) (laughs) and then there's more yeah yeah and and then there's more and then basically you go home and you eat and you probably want to go to sleep but i find that it forces me from nine to five to be really productive and just focus on my, my PhD work, and we always talk about being present in the moment, so when you're on the water you're focused on being on the water, when you're off the water you're focused on your studies and your academics.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think being present is um, something so important that, I think it's a skill people need to learn, I think it is something that can be learnt and needs to be learned. Um, For me, obviously, as a skier, I find skiing very easy to be present in the moment because I have to watch out for obstacles like trees or rocks. I have to constantly be looking at the snow conditions changing around me. So I have to be in the moment. And that was one of the reasons that drew me to start up rowing was the exact same reason. I felt so present on the water because... Again, the same thing. You're always having to look out where you're going. You're having to focus on every single movement down to your pinky toe. You know, you have to focus on what your pinky toe is doing in the boat to make sure it's balanced. And I loved how it just kept me in the boat. And then once I got off the water, I could then put my focus somewhere else. Do you think this is something that you've learned through rowing? Or do you think it's something that you've always had and you've just been able to perfect it more in the rowboat?
1: That's an interesting question. To be honest, I'm not sure. I think that I probably always had a little bit of it in me, but rowing definitely developed it. And you learned very quickly in rowing that if you're not paying attention, you're going to get out of time or you're going to catch a crab, which is what happens when your blade gets caught in the water and uh, you can't take a stroke. So, so and your team yells at you. Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> disrupts the whole boat. Everyone has to stop unless you can get it out really quickly. Um, So yeah, you have to be present in the moment. It's really important.
0: Yeah. And do you find that you're able to release some tension on the water? Like if, you know, I can imagine a PhD is uh, tremendously stressful at times. So do you find that you're able to go out on the water and have that release?
1: Definitely. I think the thing with a PhD is it can be hard to know when you need to stop in a day and you can really very easily drain yourself uh, and burnout in some sense, and that's why I think rowing is so great, because it, I've set times in the day where I can't focus on my PhD, I need to focus on rowing, and that gives me a kind of reset within the day itself. So I think it's a much healthier lifestyle, really, not only from a physiological standpoint, but also from a, a psychological one.
0: And, you know, there's this go, 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 really, like morning training, PhD during the day, then more training in the afternoon when do you have time for rest and and do you allow your body to find that time for rest
1: yes i mean our training program is very strategically organized so that we are getting rest when we need it so usually we have a day off every two weeks or so uh, and the training program is not as if we're doing high burst race pieces every day because that that would burn you out so we do a lot of steady state is what we call it um kind of to build that that base fitness so we do take time to rest and then um, I try as much as possible after the afternoon training to go home have dinner and and just relax a little bit before I go to sleep.
0: And I can imagine as president of the women's boat club, you have to set an example and the girls are going to look to you for advice and watch your lifestyle and how the choices you're making will affect them. Is is this something that you're aware of in the position?
1: Yes, I mean, it is a very public position. Um, So you definitely are aware that people are looking to you to see how you're going to react or respond to a situation. But, you know, at the same time, this is my third year with Cambridge University Women's Boat Club. And I'm inspired by the women that are around me. They might look to me, but I look to them as well. And I've been doing that since I came in my, my first year. So um, I think as much as possible, I just try and be myself because that makes you more approachable. And it's also just more enjoyable for you if you can be genuine. So that's, that's the most important thing that you could bring to a role as president.
0: Yeah I think um, showing your true self can release a lot of stress on some people you know sometimes we feel like we have to give off this certain persona um, especially in a management or a lead position because so many people look to you so I, I love that you touched on um, genuinity there I think that that goes a really long way. Um, so how many girls do you have in the in the club at the moment?
1: So, we start the season, we started this season with approximately 60 girls, so quite a large number, and then we make cuts as we get closer and closer to the boat race. So, by the time we get to boat race day, we have our lightweight boat, our reserve crew, also known as Blondie, and our blue boat. So, we end up with three eighths, and then we have spares for the open weight and lightweight section. So, we, we basically essentially reduce by over 50%. Uh, the size of the squad from where we start at the beginning of the year.
0: Wow, well, excellent. And I can imagine it's quite intimidating, especially for you. You know, you move over to the UK and you show up to row for the first time. You don't, you know, not, is isn't your first time rowing, but it's your first time rowing um, at Cambridge and in the UK, was it, as well. So that can be quite intimidating. Um, but I find sport is a very easy way to make friends because there's just that commonality immediately you know you never stuck for something to talk about because you just talk about rowing or your training or something did you find you were able to join this club with with quite ease and everyone was really welcoming
1: yes yes and i think that you know we start training before term starts so by the time term starts you know you're in a, a program with people who have just arrived in cambridge they don't know cambridge very well they don't know that many people and you already know your way around the city you already have a group of friends so it makes it that much easier to then also start your coursework. And, you know, when I came in 2015, it was the first year that the women's race had moved to the Tideway. It was a very historic event. It was incredible to be a part of. And I really felt that Cambridge as a community uh, and the rowing community in general were really behind that transition. And so we felt a lot of support there.
0: Yeah, that must have been a tremendous moment to be a part of, to see these women go out there and smash that 6.8 kilometers.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, unfortunately, being in the boat that lost, it was a little sad to lose, but uh, it was just an absolutely historic moment. Uh, So honored to be a part of it. Uh, And I found that that year I was the first person of color to row in a boat race, either men or women, Wow, uh, which is shocking. Yeah.
0: Wow. Tremendous achievement to make
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, one thing that I try and do as president is to talk about the lack of diversity in the sport of rowing and the need to diversify it um, and to show people who look like me that there is a space for them in this sport.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because in the last Olympics, they very much touched on that. Um, I know some BBC presenters were out visiting different schools. Um, along the Thames specifically, uh, more state schools, and inviting everyone to come down and give rowing a chance um, just because they found that it was, you know, more of the private schools especially were just focusing on um, rowing as well. So what else do you think can be done within these communities to encourage people to come forward and give rowing a, a go?
1: I mean, really, it's about money. We need people to invest in these communities and provide rowing opportunities for them because it's not something that you can easily access and do. Uh, Fulham Boat Club, Fulham Reach Boat Club, they started an initiative called Future Blues where they're trying to open up boat clubs in state schools along the Thames, the boroughs along the Thames, and I think that that's a great initiative, and we need more things like that happening. We need to be making concerted efforts to bring rowing to areas that have never seen it before.
0: And was that the same case in Virginia, where you're from?
1: So I was very fortunate in that the state school I went to had a club rowing team. Uh, Of course, it was expensive. We had to do a lot of fundraising to make sure that we could keep the club alive and do a sport that we'd come to love. But I think I was very fortunate in that the area I was in, there were a number of state schools that had rowing programs. That is, of course, not the case in the vast majority of the United States. Uh, But I see that changing over there as well.
0: That's really good to hear. Well, I'm sure there's going to be loads of young listeners who are excited and inspired by your achievements. Um, Congratulations to your crew this year, and I look forward to seeing you rowing in the future. Thanks so much, Daphne. Thank you. A fantastic insight into the hard work and dedication it takes to be a rower at Cambridge University. I love how Daphne talks about how each team member discusses how they're going to behave and feel on the morning of the race day. It's so important to communicate with our team how we feel and react to stress. It allows the team to give us some space, but more importantly, especially in the work environment, it allows the team to acknowledge that you are stressed and be able to offer any help as they can see the signs that you're displaying. The other thing is, these rowers get up so early. Daphne said she was on the 5.55 train three times a week. So I really hope this motivates you to get up and do some exercise before work and just find that little bit of release. You know, she says how She's so much more productive having rowing in her life because the time that she spends on her studies is limited. So she has to get all that work done and then she's able to go away and release anything she needs to on the water. So I encourage you to find your sport, whatever it is, whether it's the gym, yoga, maybe martial arts, or just a relaxing walk with friends. Find that time in your day to escape, to unwind, relax, and then go back to your desk. There's so many studies that prove Just a 30-minute walk a day will help us be so much more creative and healthier as well. As I mentioned, I'm going to post on the Youthrive website a couple um, rowing exercises for you to do. As I said, so many people tell me that they don't have time to exercise, but I promise you 10 to 20 minutes on the rowing machine will absolutely knacker you out. I've got a video of the captain from my rowing club, Eaton Excelsior, and he's going to show you how to use the rowing machine properly and how to use the screen so that you can gauge your times and see the improvement as you continue on. So give them a go and let me know how it goes. I would absolutely love to hear how you get on with the rowing machine. If you enjoyed this podcast, please ensure you rate us five stars. That would be great. And you can also find us on our socials. For Twitter, it's at thecorpathlete and Instagram, we're at the underscore corporate underscore athlete. And for any more information on Youthrive Thrive services, you can go to U Thrive, that's the letter U Thrive, ltd.com. All right, so now on to part two. I'm interviewing Hugo, who's the president of the Men's Rowing Club at Cambridge University. And he is the Cox of the eight that rode their way to victory down the Thames this year. So let's head on over and see what he has to say.